And I'm so grateful to stand before you. It's a privilege to stand before you and minister the word of the Lord. Don't take it lightly. I understand that this is what God wants to happen here today. And I will do my very best to do my part. And I pray that you will do your part. Uh, God always expects for us to do our part, for he will do his part. Today, my part is to minister the word of God to you, and your part is to respond in prayer, in worship, and in praise. (laughs) We understand that? My part is to minister the word of God to you today, and your part is to respond to the word of God through prayer, praise, and worship. And if we do that today, I believe God will be in the midst of all of it. If we can do that today, God will be in the midst of all of it. Amen. Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. The word of the Lord says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Somebody say all men. I'm reading out of the uh, NIV. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. I like the ending of that. Let's look at verse 14 again. Because sometimes we misunderstand who God is and what he's about. Verse 14 says, who gave himself, talking about the Lord Jesus, gave himself, we know now, is, is, is by uh, crucifixion on the, at Calvary, dying for us. Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. Why did God give himself to redeem us from all wickedness? I'm glad you asked. And this is what the scripture says. To purify for himself. Say for himself. That's a conundrum there. Because we live our life for ourselves. This word says he gave his life that he may redeem us and to purify for himself a people that are his very own eager to do what is good. It's interesting. Interesting view on how God does things. So he did all of that dying, submitting to the death of the cross. He went through all of that because he wanted to purify for himself a church, a people, for himself. And so That's the conundrum. We decide to become a part of the church and we still want to live for ourselves. And God says, no, no, I 
purified for myself. How does that work? <laughs> Something we need to ponder today and maybe pray about. That How does that work? God want a people for himself, but the people that he want for himself decide they want to live for themselves. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. The word of the Lord says, The law was added so that trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. In your version it says, But where sin abound, grace doth abound that much more. Verse 21. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? I would like for you this morning to pray for me and I will pray for you. So as I pray this morning, I'm going to pray for God to do a miraculous work within your life and to do what he pleases to take you to a new dimension. And you pray for me that God will anoint me and use me as his oracle and that I may operate in the power of his spirit and not in my flesh. Will you pray that for us, for me, and I'll pray for you? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're grateful to be gathered together in your name, under your banner. Lord, we are your people standing here, O oh God, before you, looking to you, Jesus, author and finisher of our faith. We ask, Almighty God, that you will pour out of your spirit upon all flesh this morning. I ask, Lord Jesus, that every person under the sound of my voice, Lord God, will hear what the Spirit is saying unto them, Lord. I pray today for the miraculous to take place in every life in this place today. I pray, Lord God, that there will be a transformation and that we will not walk out of this place, Lord God, like we've ever walked out of this place. I pray today that there will be an operation of the power of the Spirit like we've never ever experience and that Lord lives will be changed and hearts will be purified and minds oh God will be in Christ today Lord Jesus I pray that somebody will answer the call of God and submit and surrender that somebody Lord God will discover the love that you have for them and they in turn will love you as you have commanded that we must love you as you first love us that we must love you and I pray to today, Lord God, uh, that you will have your way today. Uh, let the power of Jesus Christ uh, be revealed today, uh, that signs and wonders will be revealed today, uh, and that God, uh, somebody will make a commitment, uh, somebody will surrender today uh, to say, no more Jesus, uh, I want to please you. Uh, no more God, I want to know I'm walking in your will. I want to know that I'm doing what please you. Have your way today, oh great God. Let thy will be 
done today in this place. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord this morning. The Lord is good. His mercy everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. Let's give Him some praise in this house this morning. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Will you open up your mouth this morning and shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. I will make a joyful noise unto the Lord. The Bible says clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice. Hallelujah. Oh, my God, help us in this place this morning. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. A very great, powerful force that works in our world today is sin. Somebody say sin. Oh, you don't sound like you believe it this morning. I need you to preach with me. I need you to get on board with me this morning. I need you to allow God to touch you in the way he wants to touch you. Somebody say sin. It is a power that is dark mysterious, baleful, or should we say threatening and full of force. The sorrows we experience today is from the force of sin. There should not have been any wars, nor pestilence, nor famine, nor sickness, nor sorrow, but because of sin. We're experiencing these things. We always look to see what the reason may be for why this is happening and why that's happening. And I don't understand how can this happen and how can that happen. And we're always looking to see who is right and who is wrong. But I'm here to tell you this morning, all of it is because of S-I-N. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's not one man or one woman that's walking this earth that has not sinned. We all have sinned and come short. And if we want to know what's wrong with our world and what's wrong with our behavior and why we do the things we do, it is because of sin. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is the Pandora's box for which all evil has come. Even death today is because of sin. People, are, people die because of sin. Jesus told us from the very beginning that the soul that sinned shall surely. And so death is here today because of sin. So sin is is an incredible force in our world today. Some of us are able to recognize sin, but some are not. But from the very beginning, God gave us the opportunity to understand sin. How might God have done that? By the entrance of the laws of God or the law 
of God, we were able to understand about sin. So if there's no law, you can't know what's wrong. You want to know what, why God put the, 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 the tree in the garden and says don't eat of it. There are two reasons. Two reasons. One is for choice. He wants us to have choice. But the other is so we can know right from. Without law, you can't know right. And so today, we know that sin exists because we have the law that says what right and wrong is. The law entered that our sin might abound. But where sin abound, grace did much more abound. In the old times, the law was written on stones of tablet, which was later recorded in our Bibles. Today, if we have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, the law is now written in our heart. We need the law of Jesus Christ to know what sin is all about. We need the law of Jesus Christ to, to be revealed so we can understand what sin is all about. The first thing the law does when it enters our heart is make us very aware that sin is dwelling in our life. For any person here today that believes that they are a good person and they haven't done anyone really wrong and they haven't done too many wrong things, I'm here to tell you no matter how good you are, no matter how great you treat people, no matter how much you take care of your family and do the right things, sin is still in your system. Sin is still in your life. The sin that we have in our life always existed. Mm -hmm. It exists because it was transferred from Lucifer to Adam. And then after Adam and Eve, everyone that came after Adam and Eve, including you and I, we took it on as well. So that's how it existed. That's how it came about. Paul writes, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. The challenge that comes with this is once we realize what is forbidden, we now start to be pulled in that direction. Mm -hmm. There was only one tree forbidden in the garden. And once they realized it was forbidden, all of a sudden now, there's a problem. It's only when things are forbidden, we start worrying about what it's all about. Mm -hmm. that's that same attitude Lucifer brought from the heavenly realm to the earth and we're still operating in it today he could not be God because there's only one God he could not be like God because there's only one God but because that's forbidden to him to be like God he tried to figure out and force his way into being God 
God said, no room for this kind of nonsense. You got to go. And so he introduced that same thing to us. This is forbidden. And all of a sudden now, our flesh that we walk around in, our mindset that we have from birth is saying, if that's forbidden, I want to know why. I need to look into that. The force of sin. Sin is a disease that it that is in our system. And if it's not revealed and treated, it will kill us, destroy us, where we will live in eternal torment. So sin is in all of our system. If you conceal it, you only do yourself bad. If you allow it to be revealed, then you do yourself some good. And when we walk around and try to conceal and say, oh, I'm all right, and we stand before God like, I'm all right, you're only allowing the disease of sin to spread. We ought to go before God and say, Lord, I've got sin in my heart. I've got sin in my mind. I've got sin in my life, uh, and I need you, oh God. If we don't approach the Lord in that kind of way, then what's going to happen is this disease called sin will just spread like a disease and eat up our body. And before you know it, it will destroy us and kill us, and we will wake, wake up in, etor- in eternal torment. This disease called sin is a force that we need to make sure we get treated. Our goodness cannot cure this disease. Uh huh. Your religious works or religious service cannot cure this disease. The only cure or the only counter for this disease is called grace. And so today I bring to you this topic that I want to preach on. So what should we do about grace? So what should we do about grace? Because grace is the only thing that can deal with this force of sin. Let me take my time here. What is grace? Grace is something I believe we have misunderstood. Grace is something I believe we've misrepresented. Grace is something I believe that we don't understand the full truth of what it's all about. And so here, let me help you this morning what grace is all about. Grace is God's unmerited favor towards you for which he manifests his presence to lead you to salvation. So grace is God's unmerited favor towards you which usually comes With God's manifestation of his presence. 
So when grace appeared to you, the presence of God is right there with grace. And what it does is it will lead you to salvation. I'm getting ready to help you in a second in, in, in my terminology. It will lead you to salvation when it appears if you will respond to it. Also, grace is God's way of extending to you to come into deeper and more intimate relationship with him. Uh-huh. So, how do I know if grace had appeared to me? How do you know if grace had appeared to you? Here is how you know. When the word of God is being preached, and the presence of God has come over you, and the word of God is speaking to you, grace has appeared unto you. I'll say that again. How do you know when grace has come? The word of God is being spoken. The presence of God is over you. And now you feel and hear the word of God speaking to your heart. You just can tell. There's just something that's happening where you feel like, why does it seem like he's speaking to me? Why does it seem like he's telling me something? Why does it seem like he's just giving me a hard time? Because sometimes grace appears and you're rejected. Why? Because you feel like I'm preaching to give you a hard time. I don't know what is going on in your heart. I don't know what's going on in your mind. I can only preach what God tells me to preach and God will do the rest. And so when the preacher preaches, whether it's me or any other preacher, when the preacher preaches and you feel like the word is speaking directly to you, when you feel like the word is agitating you, when you feel like the word is convicting you and you feel the presence of God, grace has appeared unto you. Here's the caveat to grace appearing to us. How many times and how long will Jesus continue to show his grace to us? How many times and how long will the Lord Jesus continue to show his grace to us? Let me tell you this. Which one of us here today can say, we deserve to be saved. <laughs> Neither are we saved on account of any works we have done or we can even foresee to do. We can make no bargain with God that we will give him a certain amount of service for a certain amount of mercy. You don't say it literally. Ah, I hear the Holy Ghost. Some of us come to church as our bargain chip. I hear the Holy Ghost. You come into the house of the Lord as a bargaining chip to say, God, I'm here. God, I'm in your house. Hear my cry. Hear my prayer. That's your bargaining chip to God. None of us can bargain with God. 
We don't have anything to offer God in a bargain. Tell me what you have to offer him to say why he should work with you. Tell me what we have to bargain with. We misunderstand this thing called grace. The appearance of grace does not mean as long as we believe we can live any way we choose without consequences. Because that's the majority of definition of grace. We live anyhow we want and we say, well, I believe. I believe there's one God. I believe God. And so we live that life to say, oh, as long as I believe, God's grace will be sufficient for me. Oh, somebody help me today. It's not. That's not what grace is all about. Grace is not about as long as I believe I can do whatever because God is so good that he will make sure I'm okay no matter what. We can't bargain with God. And so for the longest, most people's definition or understanding of grace is as God is just good. He won't let me go to hell. God is so good. He won't let this happen to me. God is so good that no matter what happens, he's going to bring me through. And we call that grace. Mm-hmm. No consequences. We can, as long as we believe. So many of us have misunderstood or misconstrued grace to mean live however you want as long as you believe. Please, do not confuse God's grace as evidence. Listen to me carefully. Do not confuse God's grace as evidence that God accepts our worldly motives and methods. So what happens? What are you saying, preacher? So we do or live a certain kind of way, and God didn't strike us down and kill us. (laughs) So we did some wrong, and God didn't just get us. Because that's how some of us look at God, this big, powerful God, that if we don't listen to him, he's going to just beat us. If we don't listen to him, he's just going to just just, just get on our case. If we don't listen to him, he's going to punish us so hard that we're going to regret that we ever did it and never do it again. And that's how we look at our God. And that's so not God's way of being. We, we can't confuse Grace, however, that God condones however we live. We live in a certain way that's not pleasing unto God. And because God hasn't done anything yet, you feel like, okay, I'm all right. It's not too bad. You know, we feel like, ah, that loving God that he is, ah, that kind God that he is, nothing has happened. So, you know, he doesn't mind. So, he knows we're not perfect. That's what we like to say. And so when we live how we want and nothing happens, we say, well, God knows we're not perfect. Well, God understands. Well, God is such a loving God. And we go on doing what we want, however we want, because we believe. Uh-huh. We believe. God would not allow me to die in my sins. I wonder if Judas thought that. I wonder if Judas, one of the eleven, one of the twelve disciples, thought that that he was stealing the money. 
He was walking with Jesus and stealing the money, and Jesus never tapped him. Yo, Jesus, what are you doing? We better think about that for a second. Judas walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was stealing the money for his own self. And the Lord never tapped him and says, hey, 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 you're stealing the money. Stop stealing the money. So he must have thought he was okay. He must have thought, well, God is a loving God. I've watched him heal people. I've watched him save people. I've watched him deliver people. And so guess what? I'm taking a little money out. And he, he, he knows probably, but he's not mad and he will forgive me. So he just kept taking the money. Kept taking the money. And God is doing nothing about it. He kept taking the money. Hmm. Check it out. God didn't do anything to him. He did something to himself. Watch it. He was stealing the money. God never did anything. But it led him to take his own life. That's a lesson right there. That's a lesson to say, I can't just keep living however I want. And because God is doing nothing about it, I'm good. Because God is it's not doing anything about it. It doesn't mean we're good. But we've taken it for that. And that's why some of us can leave the church after being in the church for a while. We can leave the church because we think grace. He's a good God. He'll see to it that I make it back. Did Judas make it back? And his was the worst because guess what? He was in the church and still was out of the church. We can be among the people of God and still be not the people of God. <laughs> and I'm telling you today, that's the worst situation because when you come among the people of God and you feel the presence of God and you see the power of God, but you still live however you want just because you believe grace is sufficient, yeah, you will lose your way and not make it back. It's the worst way. I think somebody that's not among the people every day, they get up and they live in sin. I believe they struggle. I believe even when, even, even though they may become accustomed to it and just feel like this is just what it is now, I still believe they still have the Spirit of God convicting them, saying, you know you shouldn't be doing this. You know you shouldn't be living like this. You know you need to go back in church and repent. You know you need to go and surrender your life to God. I know that every day that happens, but the people that are living how they want, but come in the house of God every week, they may not have that opportunity to realize that I'm not doing right. I need to get right. Why? Because you're among the people of God. You're in the presence of God. You're seeing the power of God. And God didn't do anything about what you are doing wrong. And so you say, God is a good God. We like to say God is a good God, and sometimes we're saying God is a good God because he hasn't done nothing about what we've done wrong. That's not how grace works. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
not of works, lest any man should boast. When we recognize God's grace and accept God's grace, then we ought to act in obedience by faith, in obeying the plan of salvation. Because God chose to save us, the terms of salvation are his call. Whatever he says, we must do to be saved. No question. God chooses the terms for salvation. When we determine that God understands, we're choosing the terms. God understands. How can you dare say that? Because he's, he, he hasn't done anything? Maybe that's what Judas said. God understands. He hasn't done anything. I wonder, did Peter, maybe not Peter, because Peter was just too, just too crazy. But I don't know, maybe John or somebody might tap him. Yo, Jude, you sure you're doing right over there? Because I get the sense that you kind of, I'm good, I'm good, man. I'm not doing anything. All right, I'm just checking on you. And he just kept on going. Because Jesus didn't check him. Grace is not what we think. So what should we do about grace? Let's look at Acts chapter 16. I'm almost there. Verse 30. We're talking about grace appearing to all people. The Bible says, for the grace of God had appeared unto all men, right? Not some men, all human. The grace of God appeared to every one of us. And so, what should we do when grace appear? All of you Christians, good fine people, this is a scripture you probably need to write down and never forget. Acts chapter 16, verse number 30 says this. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So many people don't know what to do to be saved. So many people, if you ask them, I can ask a person that's been going to church for 15 years. What do I need to do to be saved? Oh, I'm just got to believe. Oh, you need to get baptized. We just got all kind of things we say, and no one can, you don't run into a lot of people that have that, that clear complete explanation of what you need to do to be saved. So I'm giving you the scripture that tells you what you need to do. And so it says, you must, what must I do to be saved is the question. Verse 31 says, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. <laughs> Woo. Listen. Some people stop right there. You know you have listened to radio program or you've watched TV program that they tell you, just believe. Remember I told you, write that text down. Believe on the Lord Jesus. So here is what happened. The grace of God appeared. 
If you go back and read some more, I believe that's a text that talked about when um, Paul and Silas was locked up. And then when the, when, when, when the gates broke open and all the stuff happened, people knew that God was working on their behalf. The grace of God had appeared. Because when you see the power of God, the grace of God has appeared. When you sense the presence of God, the grace of God had appeared. And those people knew the grace of God is here. So what must we do? When grace comes, the question should be, what should I do? But for us, we've always taken grace as grace is so good. Man. I just did my thing, and God just kind of like winked at me, like, you good still, son? No big deal, son. You good? The grace of God come, and God spare your life, and all you did was, I know God is good. I almost died last night, but God saved me. And you just keep living. Oh, God. Oh, stuff happened to us, and God shows up. The grace of God shows up, and we say, God is so good. And we say that's grace. And that means it give us carte blanche to keep on going. Just live, just keep living like that because no matter what, God's going to save you. Keep on doing what you're doing because no matter what, God's going to catch you. He won't let it happen to you. Just live how you want just as long as you believe. Verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord. And to all that were in his house. So what happened? The grace appeared. They believed. Now the word gets spoken to them. So when people used to say, you must first believe. That's correct. We don't have to back up as the people of God to say when people say, you need to believe. No, 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 that's true. It just doesn't stop there. Believing the word of God. Believing God. You know, that, that's where it starts, not stop. And so some people's religion is right there. That's all it is, right there, believe. And that's why they go on and misunderstand grace. Because they think the life is just believe. Because God, grace is sufficient. And so they stop right there. And so verse 33 say. And he took them the same hour of the night. And we must first look at this. When he explained, when he spake unto them the word of the Lord, what was that word? That word is the gospel message. That Jesus Christ is almighty God manifest in flesh. And he came into this world and he died for our sins and he was buried and he rose and then he ascended back to heaven. And that's the word that was preached to them. And so the word was preached to them. And guess what they did? And when they heard the word, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And so you see, grace appear. So understand what God is trying to get through to us today before we leave here. 
Grace appearing to us is the word of God coming to us with the manifestation of God's presence. You know, you sense. Listen, when, when something is evil that's lurking, you know it. When you get into an environment and it's not right, you know it. I go down to the prison and I can tell. They always, that what they do sometimes when I go down to minister on Fridays, they used to say, so what you feel tonight, Reverend? Because they want to know, because I would tell them specifics that I feel sometimes, because I would get there sometimes, and I would say, it's just chaotic today. You guys don't seem to be focused. What's going on in here today? And they would say, huh? I said, talk to me a little bit. What's going on? And we will have discussions. Then I will start to teach, because I want them to understand what's going on around them. So you can sense evil. You can sense the different things that are around you that you don't, you know it's not right. It's not good. So if you can sense those things, you can sense when God's presence is around you. And so when the word of God is being spoken and God's presence come over you, that's grace. That's grace. The word of God accompanied by the presence of God. Because it's appearing so it can lead you by faith to what God wants for your life. Which is for you to be saved or for you to get closer to him. If you're not born again of the water and of the spirit, when the grace of God appear unto you, it's for you to become born again of the water and of the spirit. So if we're not born again of the water and of the spirit, when the presence of God comes with the word of God into our life, that's the Lord saying, here is the gift, the unmerited favor that I'm showing towards you, not because you deserve it, but because I love you. I'm here now. Here's my word. That's his grace. Grace is not that we live how we want and God just turn a blind eye. That's not grace. So don't let anybody fool you. Grace appeared to us for two purposes. For us to be saved and get closer to God. And if we're already saved, for us to get closer to God. And so I'm going to finish with this text here. James chapter 4, <clears throat> verse number 4. Remember, this is the word of God, not my word. So when you read it, you don't start looking at me with an evil eye. Now that preacher have a nerve. James chapter 4, verse number 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Question mark. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Remember, God's word, not mine. Do you think that the scripture said in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth? To envy, question mark. But he, talking about God, giveth more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace 
unto the humble. Huh. And so, again, we have two circumstances where grace will appear to us. Grace will appear to us if we're not saved, we're not born again. The grace of God will appear to us to lead us by faith so we can be saved. The other way grace appear unto us, this text that we just read was not written to people that are unsaved. It was written to Christians. So should we go back and read it? Remember, all the epistles, once we hit Romans and we start going forward, those are Bible verses, texts that's written to people that are saved. You ever noticed it? Paul, the apostle called to be, you know, ministered to the saints at Rome, to the saints at Corinth, to the saints of Galatia, to the saints of this and that. And so James was writing here to Christians, not to unsaved people. So you want to go back and read it now? <laughs> now? Now we know what's talking to us, right? All of us. He says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. So God is telling us, you all are showing more affection and giving more of your desires and your self-interest to the things of the world. So what he's saying is, in essence is, if you're married and you're showing another woman or another man more attention and more affection than your spouse, that's adultery. No matter if you did something physical or not, he's saying that's what he called, that's the Lord's word, not man's word. We can make up however we want, but that's the Lord's word. So what he's saying is the children of God are given of themselves more to the world than they are to me. So that's why he called us what he called us. Because he's saying, you're cheating on me. That's in essence what the word of God is saying. God is saying, you're cheating on me. And what are you cheating on him with? The world. (laughs) You're cheating on me. And so he says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Again, this is to save people. If you are so close to the world that you are like friends with the world, he says, you have made yourself an enemy with me. And so, then he says in verse 6, but I give more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resisted the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So when you become a friend of the world, God gives you grace. My God. I don't know if we're getting this today. When you start to stray from your relationship with God, God gives you grace. When you start to desire things and people more than you desire God, God gives you grace. When you start to live the way you want and abandon God, God gives you grace. When you just want to do how you want to do, and you want to have your own definition of grace, God gives us grace. 
what a loving God. We miss this thing all the time and think it's about rules and we think it's about control and we think it's about all of this stuff and all it ever comes back to is God's love for us that he doesn't want to see us destroyed. He just want to have real relationship with us and us having real relationship with him. And so, so many of us have been born again, but we have become friends with the world. We have allowed our desires and our affections to be towards the world. And because God hasn't stepped in to just flag you, or God hasn't stepped in to correct you, or God hasn't stepped in to just do whatever he must do to turn you around, you say, oh, God, grace is so good. God is okay with what I'm doing. You became friends with the world. And for most of you that really experienced the conversion, you know how you were at least the first six months when you begin to live for God, when you felt God's presence, when you were, when the grace of God was fresh in your mind, but you really didn't understand it was grace, that he had come to re- reveal and manifest himself to you, that you can know him. And you said, oh, I got to give my life to God. I got to repent of my sins. I got to be baptized in his name. I need his spirit as the Bible teaches. And so today I'm going to give my life to God. And then when you gave your life to God, whatever you heard preach, you did it. Because you desired God so badly. You kept walking and walking. But after a while, the same place where God took you from, you start edging back that way. And then you start explaining to yourself or try to make the excuse to yourself that there's nothing wrong with this and God understands. And don't you understand grace? And we start making up all of these kind of ways in our mind as to think that's okay with God because we've strayed away from him. And God is saying, I never came to Judas not one time. Not one time that I forced my way in on Judas. I let him be. But Judas was with me when I taught about righteousness. Judas was with me when I taught about holiness. Judas was with me uh, when I lived right uh, and I told people not to sin anymore. Judas was with me. I never went to him personally, but he was with me and he heard my word and he saw what I did. So he should have known better, but he never turned around. If God don't come talk to me personally, that's arrogance. And God said, I only give grace to the humble. If you want a special effect for God to come and talk to you, who do you think you are? As I said, Judas was one of the 12, and he never talked to Judas straight up directly. So if you're waiting for God to come to you directly and tell you and point out what you're doing exactly, God may not do that. God will say, I've given you my servant to preach my word. I've given you my Bible so you can read my word. Through the Bible and through the preacher, you must hear, and that's the way you will come away from being friends with the world. So what should we do about grace? Are we still going to go about our ways 
be friends with the world, buddies, rolling partners with the world, and keep on trying to justify it, waiting for God to show you some big sign to say, you should not do that anymore. Or will you realize God is showing you grace? And so I close with this. God is a jealous God. He said that from the very beginning. He is jealous when we are closer and more friendly to the worldly systems and our behaviors are worldly. He is jealous when we're like that. When we get that way, God shows us grace, though. And that's where we missed it. Because, here we go. You're married, and you love your spouse, or even you're engaged, you love your spouse or to be your spouse in a serious relationship that is going to go to that place of marriage and you love them. And something happened where it looked like they've lost interest and somehow they may be giving their affection and interest to someone else. What do we do? We like to manipulate. What do we do? We use force. You better. And I'm going to, and you threaten. And whatever you can do to scare them, to make them come back to you, whatever you can do, you might even beat them. I just got to get them back. That's what we do. That's the human behavior. But my God, this is where we just ought to just, this is why I can't help but to worship God. God taught us. That love don't operate that way. Love says, you may be straying from me, and you may not be looking at me anymore. You might not see me the way you should see me anymore, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show you kindness. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show you gentleness. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show you love, and that's the grace of God. We stray and become lovers to something else, and God didn't beat us. God didn't turn his back on us. God didn't try to do things to manipulate us. All he did was just showed us more grace. And instead of we respond to his grace and say, what a mighty God we serve. What a gracious God we serve. You know what we say? I just keep on doing it, man. It's not wrong with being a Christian and still do this. It's nothing wrong with being a Christian and still do that. That's what we say to ourselves and just call it grace. And God is saying, no, a lover that's what a lover does. But because we're so foreign to love, we don't understand that. A lover try to win the love of their life back with goodness. Yeah, you can't answer that because you just, we're just so human and we can't. We got to get some godliness back. 
We're so human that we just, we, we don't allow no godliness in our life because we don't understand that kind of stuff. Because that kind of stuff is godliness. That someone walk out on us. Uh, someone don't treat us right. Uh, someone take their affection to other places. Uh, and now we just get mean. Uh, and we start to just just be mad. Uh, and we start to do things. Uh, and now we start to plan how we going to get them back. That's what we do because of this flesh. And God said, no, no, no. I love you. I'm going to show you goodness. I love you. I'm going to show you kindness. I love you. I'm going to show you love because that's my grace to you. I love you so much that I hope my goodness to you will draw back your affection to me. I love you so much that I'm going to show you all of my grace. And I hope my grace will cause you to look back to me, will cause you to look to me and say, Oh, God, you're so good. Oh, God, you're so wonderful. How dare me stray and go live to please this nasty flesh. And to go in that world and follow the people that are not heading for heaven. How dare me go and do whatever I want when you're showing me love, when you're showing me kindness, when you're showing me goodness, when you just want my affection. And all you're trying to do is win me back from that world. And I keep on going in my own way. Will you stand today? So what should we do about grace? Are we just going to continue how we want? Can't we see clearly that God is saying to us, I want your affection. I, I want your attention. I want your love. I gave everything that I could give for you. I gave everything that I could give for you. I showed you my love that by sacrificing my life, I gave everything for you. I just want you to want me. And I can't do it any other way but by my grace. I can't reach out to you any other way because I'm just the God of love. Love is who I am. Love just goes through me. It's one of my characteristics. I'm loving. I'm, I'm, I'm love. And so the only way I can reach you is by showing you more grace, which is because of my love. And so God is asking and hoping today that somebody, somebody in this place will realize that he's been showing them grace and it wasn't for them to just keep on living how they want. He's not approving of your lifestyle. He, he doesn't approve the lifestyle if it's not all uh, set on him. If it's not all towards him. Why does God want everything towards him? Someone asked. And God will tell you because you're going to worship something or somebody if you don't worship him. You're going to give your affection and attention to something or somebody if you don't give it to him. The problem is that something or someone can't ever love you the way God loves you. And so if you give your affection and attention to that something or that someone and you neglect to give it to God, you're going to get hurt and you can't be saved. 
Because that's something or that someone can't save you. That's something or someone can't have the love God has for you uh, to the point where you will never be hurt, uh, to the point where you will always be shown grace. That's something or that someone cannot do for you what God can do. And so God says, I need you to put your affection and attention towards me. I need you to worship and praise me, not because I need it. I'm almighty God. I exist before you existed. I am self-sustained. I'm self-sustained. You need me to be sustained. And so God is saying, what will we do? What what, what are we going to do? Are we going to worship him? Are we going to surrender to him? Are we going to give our affection and attention to him? Or will we just continue to say, oh, God's grace, God's grace, God is good to us. Anything that's getting more attention than God, God is jealous. Anything that you're giving more attention, anything or anyone that you're giving more attention to, God is jealous. Why? You ready for this? God gives all of his attention to you. God says, you're the apple of my eye. And and I have no idea how deep that is, but I got a little baby girl, my one and only. I only got one baby girl. And so I like to tell her all the time, you're my one and only. And she loves that. She's my one and only. And I call her the apple of my eye. And so I just think about the love and all of the affection that I have for my daughter. And I say she's the apple of my eye. God says all of us in here is the apple of his eye. So the way I see my baby, this is just a minuscule way of just getting a little glimpse of how beautiful and amazing and loving and kind God is. So all of what I give to my baby girl, that's wonderful, but God still calls us the apple of his eye, and I'm sure what he gives us is far exceeding than what I give to my baby girl. And I give her everything. I just She's everything to me. That's the one and only. God calls us the same thing. God calls us the apple of his eye, which means he's always looking at us. His attention is always on us. So when we put our attention on other things and not on him, it hurts him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we give our attention and affection to other things, it hurts God. Because he's saying, I created you, and I created you for myself, and then you went astray, and I had to figure out a way how to bring you back to myself, to restore you, to redeem you, so you can have a great, beautiful life with me. And I went, I became a man, because I was Almighty God as a spirit where nobody can see me, but I became a man. I did whatever was necessary to be able to redeem you so we can get in back into right relationship. And the only thing that he could have done to redeem us was to become like us, but not be sinful like us, and came into this world and become the example and die for us, and that's what he did so he can restore us back into right relationship with him. That's what he did for us. And that's all he ever wanted was right relationship with us. And so today I can say this to you. God is calling us back into right relationship with him. And if we don't have the right relationship with him, God is calling us into a relationship with him. That's his grace. 
His grace is not for us to walk around saying, I got the favor of God. I love how sometimes we take things and just do what we want with it. Okay, so let's say you have the favor of God in your life. What does that mean? What does that mean? For everything we possess, if we do nothing with it, what does it mean? I've got $10 billion in the bank. But I'm not giving anybody none. I'm not doing anything. Okay, then what does it mean? What does it mean? So what you have, if you don't use it for something, what good is it? And so today the question is, if God has shown you unmerited favor, okay, great. The grace of God had appeared unto all men, all people. What are you doing with it? Enjoying yourself? It's okay. It's up to you to do whatever you want to do with it. Just know if it's not to make sure you get into a right relationship with God, he's jealous and he's not happy about it. If you want to take his goodness and say, oh, girl, I had a good time last night. If, if that's what you're taking his grace for, hey, it's up to you. We've got Judas as our example. He took the grace as, man, God, a good God. He know I must be hitting his money bag a little bit. Never said one word. Judas probably hit the money bag up a couple of times and gave a little something to his buddies. Or to his family, or whatever he did. And then he justified, well, I'm sure God don't mind me doing what I'm doing because I'm using it for good. Because that's how we do. We come up with a good explanation that seemed good to us so we can keep doing what we're doing and think that God is okay with it now because we have now made that, that, that explanation. We've, we've figured out a way to justify our behavior. And God is just one way. The way God says he wants things is the way he wants it. There's no negotiating. We can't do anything to earn anything more. And so today, if you've never given your life to Christ, the grace of God has appeared unto you. Because as I spoke today, the presence of the Lord came over you, and the word of God started speaking to you. So if you've never given your life to Christ, today is your day to give your life to Christ. If you have strayed away from Christ and you are just enjoying, uh, just living to please yourself, that's fine. But if you really want to get back in right relationship with God, the grace of God has appeared unto you too. So God's grace has appeared unto all of us today. Those of us that are trying to live for God, but trying to enjoy what we want and, 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 and ignoring God. And for those of us that have never committed our life to God, God's grace has appeared unto us. So what are you going to do with God's grace? This is where the Bible says, by grace are ye saved through faith. And so now that the grace of God has appeared, you know what the next thing is? Your faith has to cause you to obey the plan of God. Now that the grace of God has appeared, your faith, if you have any, should now cause you to obey the plan of God for your life. And for some people, you got to get started with the plan of God. How do you get started? To be born again. For some of you that's already started, you need to get on track. How do you do that? By not giving your affection and attention to the world and to others and to situations more than you are giving it to God. 
So God is calling everyone in this place today to respond to his grace. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. God, I know that you leave it up to us to make the choice. I know, Lord God, that we have to make the choice on our own. Nobody can make us choose. And even if we choose because we feel compelled to choose by somebody telling us, if it's not of our own consent, if it's not of our own desire deep within, it will not last. And so today, Lord God, I ask that you will touch the hearts of your people that are gathered here and that before we leave this place, we come to a place to respond to your grace. You know where we are, Lord God. And every one of us, we know our situation, whether we are born again of the water and of the Spirit, or we have been already born again, and we're trying to get back on track. We know where we are, Lord God. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll move on us. I pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray today, Lord God, that there will be a response to the word of God because our heart, oh God, was impacted by your word. And Lord, we will respond by our own choice to make a determination, Lord God, what we will do, what we must do. I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ. That every person under the sound of my voice will respond to the word of God. And that your life will never be the same again. And that you will say yes to God's will and yes to his way. I pray today that we will understand that the grace of God had appeared unto us. And that we will do something with the grace of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord, you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. Would somebody just worship the Lord right now with me? Will somebody just lift their hands and lift their voice and lift their heart and say, God, I hear your word. And I don't want this to be another service that I just hear a good word and leave the same way. But God, since your grace has appeared unto me today, will you enable me and help me, Lord God? Oh, God, to obey the word of God and to by faith obey the plan of God for my life today, Lord God. I pray that you will help us, that we will never be the same. That you will help us. That we will turn from all of our ways and from all our deception and from all our ways, oh God, of doing as we please. Lord, we know you went to the cross for us, oh God, to make us your people, to make us a church that you're coming back for. And so today, Lord Jesus, I pray that there will be a turn that will take place in our heart, a turn that will take place in our life, a turn that will take place, that we will never be the same again. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, oh my God, my God, my God.
Have your way today, Lord Jesus. Somebody make up in your mind today. Will you make up in your mind today? Oh, will you make up in your mind today to serve the Lord with gladness? Will you make up in your mind today to surrender your life to the Lord? Will you make up in your mind today to give God all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength? For God loves you more than anyone or anything could ever love you. Trust the Lord with your life today, for He will direct your path. Oh, Jesus, we give you honor. We give you praise. We give you honor and we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you praise. There is none like you. There is none like you. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have one person today that have made a commitment to give their life to God by being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to have their sins washed away. Miss Joy, why don't you come stand next?